you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Is God in control? Now, I've set you up a little bit, but is God in control? I'd like to believe that he is, but I also need to tell you something very truthful about me. Is I struggle a lot. Completely trusting God, completely believing that he's in control. I mean, if, if God was in control, then why during the pandemic did your brother-in-law die? Can you answer that for me? If God is in control, why is racism still an epidemic in what we would call the great American tradition? I know, listen, listen, to those of us who are Christ followers, I know we're supposed to say God is in control. Let me ask you, sir, if God's in control, why would he allow the United States veteran to be treated the way he's being treated today in our VA facilities? He's still, I, I, I'm with you, he's still God, but you know what I'm talking about. That deep little spot deep down inside of you when things don't go right, when a spouse does something, says I'm not talking about some sanitized church Sunday morning moment. I'm talking about where you and I live. When Hurricane Ian destroys your place, when you're trying to set up a, a new life, when you're, when you're trying to break through an addiction and everything inside of you wants to say no to it, but there's something inside that keeps pulling you back and you're like, God! And does the sentiment of our lips on a Sunday morning God's in control. We sing these songs, right? God can move the mountains. And we, it's not that we don't. Yeah, God can. Yeah, I believe it. Um, God, he, he's alive. Jesus, right? And, and what Corbin said, the, the, the problem with the devil is he believed in him. But he, Jesus is alive. I get all that stuff. But do our lives, our everyday lives, match what we say with our lips. We're in this brand new study in the book of Daniel. If you want, you can join me there. Daniel chapter number one. There's something unique about this cat, this dude named Daniel. He's living in utter chaos. But somewhere along the line, there is a a switch inside of him that flips. And he has this sense of calmness in a culture of chaos. And I just want to go on the record. I want that. I live in a culture. You live in a culture. I don't have to unpack all the different things that are happening in our culture that shout chaos. But how do we live? Here, check it out in Daniel 1 and verse 1. The third year of the reign of Joachim, king of Judah. So he is the king of Judah, the Israelites. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Think Russia, think Ukraine. They besieged it. They invaded it. Notice what messes up all of your theology in verse number 2. 
And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Like, hello, God. You're God. You're large and in charge. Remember that promise you made to Abraham that you're going to protect him and all of his descendants? Why would you allow this pagan king from Babylon to go in and conquer your people? And then all the hurt and all the pain that you would put on them. Here, check this out in verse number three. Then the king ordered Asphanes, chief of the court's officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Can you say human trafficking? They stole these boys from their parents, from their home, from their tradition. The terrorism that's going through this culture in Daniel's time. The, the, the violence of having your home invaded and your children stolen from you and taken to a foreign land. Look at verse 4. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Can you say profiling? Profiling this person because this person has a different kind of skin color to this person or this person's SAT scores is better than that person. The discrimination that's happening. And all this is a book that was written 3,000 years ago. And you thought that the chaos in our culture today was just a 2022 issue. Look what it says in verse 5. Then the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Education, indoctrination, what they're teaching in the schools, and what they're saying, and what they're unpacking. I'm telling you, Daniel faces the same chaos in the culture in which he's living that we're facing today. But there's something different about this dude. And is it possible, is our God, who we just said is in control, is our God able to give us that same kind of kindness as we live today? Uh, let your eyes drop to verse 6. Amongst those who were chosen were from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These are the boys' Hebrew names. Verse 7, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. The name Daniel in the Hebrew language means to declare, God is my judge. God is my ruler. God is my captain. That's what it means in the Hebrew language. In the Babylonian language, Belshazzar means... Lady, save the king. And you thought transgender confusion was just in 2022. It's happening then. As if that's not enough, earlier, some hundred years earlier, King Hezekiah of Israel had decided not to trust God. He saw that life was out of control, so he took matters into his own hands. There's a consequence for you and I taking things into our own control. Isaiah wrote to the king and he said this in Isaiah 39 and 7. Some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king 
of Babylon. Although here in Daniel, it does not say that Daniel and his three friends became eunuchs. If you don't know what the word eunuch means, it means they were castrated. I'm telling you, your culture hasn't gone that cray-cray yet. But something's going on in this dude's life. In the midst of all of the chaos, all of the cultural confusion, Daniel is at calm. How do you and I do this? How do we lean into the chaos in which we find ourselves today? And this really became kind of a pivotal moment in my life as I watched us as Christians, as we went into the pandemic and it seemed like the whole world was out of control. And now people, government, were trying to take our control from us. And, and we as Christ followers seem just as stressed, just as anxious, just as troubled as ever. The calmness, the peace that passes all understanding seemed to invade, evade us. And all that stress got lodged right up inside here. And the struggle's for real, right? Because when it comes to the whole trust God thing, it's like, okay, so where does, where does it be like, okay, I'm going to trust God because he's large and in charge. But wait a second, don't I have responsibility too? I, I mean, do I just throw my hands up and say, hey, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. God's in control. Uh, let's not worry about it. Akuna matata. Don't stress. Just let be happy. Don't worry about it. Let God have it. Or do I have a responsibility? Do, do, do I need to do something? Do I need to, to be something along the way? This is, this is a very difficult space. If I could say it this way, this is Christ following's ground zero. Trying to figure out how, okay, God's in control. And I want to believe that God's in control, but, but wait a second, I'm a human being, and don't I have some kind of responsibility as well? And then, we're Americans, we're North Americans, we're citizens of the United States, and we have this certain sense of autonomy, that we're in control of our own destiny, and somehow, we're supposed to reconcile all this, and that God is in control. You might not know this, but literally, this church, Church of Hope, We'll celebrate our 14th birthday next month, the month of November. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing to think we're 14 years old. But literally, this church was birthed because when I came to Ocala, the church that I came to came to a conclusion, God missed something here. God's not in control, and we, the congregation, want to take control back. One year earlier, in 2007... Man, 99% of the church voted and said, hey, Mark, come to our city. Come to our church. Let's, let's let people know how awesome Jesus is. And one year later, the congregation is shouting, get the hell out of this church. We don't want you no more. And I want you to know something. I, 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 <laughs> I've had to learn how to make it look like I'm trusting God. As a pastor, but deep down, what you couldn't see on a Sunday morning is in the backyard of my life. I'm looking up to the heavens and saying, God, why would you let this happen? God, where, what, what, what good can come from this? And it's real easy to begin to try to pull things back up. I'll tell you one thing you hurt me once, shame on you. 
You hurt me twice, shame on me, and I'm not going to let that happen. So I'm going to start pulling things up. I'm going to pull things up into my own control. You know what it's like. Points and places where your life's been out of control, where something didn't go the way you thought, and, and you even gave it to God, and you prayed to God and said, God, I don't want to have a divorce. I, 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 I don't want to be in this space. But she still left you, didn't she? And he still had that affair with your best friend, didn't he? And you thought, okay, listen, I'm going to volunteer for a politician, and I'm going to give money to that politician, and I'm going to vote for that politician because they've promised that the world will be a better place for my kids, and I'm going to vote for that person, and you did. And not much has changed. This is ground zero of Christ following in the country that we call home. So how do we, how do we live at calm like Daniel? Notice again, the big Bible on the screen. Something was different in Daniel, verse number eight. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself. In other words, he said, this isn't, this is not the way that God wants me to live. So I'm going to say, hey, listen, I, I, I don't want what you're providing in Babylon. I want to continue to follow after in the God way. And for a lot of us, right, when life's not fair, when someone has mistreated us or we feel like life's out of control, we have a tendency not to do it the God way. We have a tendency to do it my way. I got to fix this thing back up. I got to get the control back. But Daniel doesn't. He has a confidence, a deep confidence in a culture of chaos. And I want that. I want that personally. I want it for my family. I want it for us. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. You're confident. Listen, to those of you who are Christ followers, at one day, at one moment and one time, you confidently prayed a prayer that said, God, I don't understand everything about you, but I trust that your God and Jesus is your son. Forgive me of my sins, right? You leaned into this story that you really believed that God became a human. He was tempted just like you've been tempted, but he never sinned. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for all your sins. He got alive again, and now that's your, your hope. That's do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. I'm into rewards. I've got a certain credit card because it gives me rewards. I tell Linda all the time, put it on the credit card. I want the rewards. I, I, I want something. I like ROI. I want a return on my investment, right? We get that in the financial world. We get it in the physical world. You go to the gym, you work out, right? You say no to some potato chips, and you want, you want the return, Let's get passionate about a spiritual return. And the Bible says that return comes when we don't throw away. We don't throw away this confidence that we have. Daniel 1 and 20 on the big screen. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians, enchanters, and the whole kingdom. Daniel was living 10x. And my prayer for us, I want a 10x life. 
I want a 10x life for you personally, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your business, for our city, for our county, for our state, for our country, and for our world. I want a 10x, and a 10x life comes when you and I are able to be calm in the middle of a chaotic culture. You can have all the money that you want to have in a bank account and still be anxious. You can have the kind of house, the kind of children. You can have all these external things and the stress and the worry and that overriding desire to get things back in your control can be resident because the ultimate wealth in life is that deep down-centeredness that when life is crazy and it makes no sense and it's unfair and it's unjust and you would have wished it would have gone a different way, there is something in you, the Daniel way, that your God is still God. You don't understand everything that's going on, but you're not going to quit. You're going to keep trusting God. So how do we do it? I'm so glad that you asked. If you want to take your number two pencil out, write a couple things down. They've been a help to me when I've wondered why God allowed what God allowed. Here's the first thing, is know him personally. There's a huge gap between knowing about God and knowing him personally. You can go to Bible college. You can have a seminary degree. You can have an earned doctoral degree. You can be a pastor for 20 years and then something happens and you begin to discover that you've learned more about God than really knowing him personally. Here's what the Bible says in Psalms 20 and 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses and we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I mean, when the chaos hits the front porch of your life, you begin to discover who and what you're really trusting in. I, I know when it looked like I was being rejected at, at one church, I was like, okay, what did I do wrong? Did, did, did I preach something wrong? Did I do something wrong? And all this evaluation, because I'm trying to figure it out so I could fix it, so I could bring it back up into my control, because I had come to a place where I had learned to trust in my skill set more than God. I think if a guy named Mark is struggling, I think there's a whole lot of us. You believe God, you love God, and we know that God is supposed to be in control. But when it happens to us and our family and our kids and our grandkids, and it irritates and agitates us, there is this pivot point from trusting in God to trusting in horses and chariots, the cultural presence. Psalms 119, the Bible says this, I have put my hope in your word. That's what Daniel did. Daniel had put his ultimate hope. I mean, his hope in his country was gone. That was invaded. His hope in his parents, in his dad rescuing him, that was gone. He's now a slave in Babylon. His hope in one day finding a girl and falling in love and, and, and having children, that's gone. He's been castrated. But deep down inside of him, there is a hope that is in God at his word. 2 Timothy 1 and 12, 
The Bible says, I know of whom I believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. I don't know what you've been praying about, but the pressure's on, right? You're praying, you're trusting that God would do this. You don't want to be in this space. It's God's word that will bring you the confidence that what you have been trusting in him, he's not forgotten you. He knows what's going on. This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to give in. The calmness that you're looking for is rooted in you knowing him personally. A couple tools that have been a help to me, one on the big screen behind me, is the YouVersion Bible app. I think we all have really good intentions. We want to know God personally, but we also live life. And there's something called um, school lines every day that you got to go sit in line, right? There's something called work and bills and everyday life, and it's all the things that you and I go through, and, and, and we want to manage our time better, but it's just life. So having a good plan will set you up. What I love about the YouVersion Bible app is that it's on my phone and I can hit it and there's all kinds of different Bible plans. Maybe you're already on it. I'd like to suggest, if you would, you could take a picture of this QR code. It'll be in the weekend recap. But if, if you go through Church of Hope, it never reveals your identity. But what it does is it populates all the different searches from anybody globally that's on the app through Church of Hope. And as I sit and wonder, hey, What's itching in people's lives, right? Because you begin to search for a Bible study about fill in the blank. And so then it populates. And so then I can look and say, hey, wow, people are really wondering about this or they're looking about this. And we can craft our time together on Sunday mornings to scratch what's itching us spiritually. The second about knowing him, I, I've shared this image for, for years. It really helps center me in the morning as I Picture my day as I reach up and realize, unless you show up today, God, I, I, there, is no, there is no plan B. It's, it's, it's you. As I open up my hands, I physically see, Mark, instead of you trying to control it, be open to receive it. And then as I see my hands forward, it reminds me that God is for people. He's not against people. He's for people. Again, you can take a picture. It'll be in this weekend's recap. If you're not getting the weekend recap... Just use the Connect card that's uh, at the chair. Stop by uh, the connection desk. They'll get you signed up online. Just drop in. Hey, sign me up for recap, and we'll get, you, we'll get you signed in. But it's about moving from knowing God at an arm's length to knowing him personally. And the people you know best are the people that you have experiences with and you have engagement with. Here's the second thing if you want to write it down. This is the hardest thing for me to do. It's this. Surrender what you cannot control. I want to fix what I can't control. I want to understand what I can't control. I, 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 I don't want to be out of control. There's this American way that's inside of me, right? The idea of surrender, that's what Canadians do. Sorry, Canadians. <laughs> Not Americans. And we ain't surrendering to nothing. Right? We're, 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 we're Americans. We're... We're controllers of our own destiny, and those people, the reason they're in their condition is because they just gave up along the way. They surrendered. They threw their hands up. Right? It's, 
it's hard for us. This, this line between, okay, he's God and I'm not, and I'm supposed to be responsible and I'm supposed to be mature, and I'm not just supposed to sit on my backside and, and eat potato chips and say, hey, I'm just going to trust God. I'm just waiting on God, right? There's this negative version of that. Then there's this negative version of the person who's in your life or in your family that's a control freak. And they just want to be in control of everything, right? They're just trying to organize and control all things. It's hard to find this balance. Here's some things that are helping me. I believe in creation, biblical creation. I believe that God is the creator, and I believe that I'm the creation. So I've come to the conclusion it's okay if I don't know everything because he's the creator and I'm the creation. If the creation knows everything, Everything like the creator, who's the creator? At some point, I've come to say, he's the creator, I'm the creation. There are some things that I won't know. I won't fully understand. But our culture has discipled us. I know that word disciple is something you hear in church. But I think our culture has discipled us to make us think that knowing is the optimal way of living. I'm for knowing, I'm for education, I'm for academics, I'm for all that stuff. But sometimes knowing becomes a burden. Let me ask you it this way. When you found out, when your spouse cheated on you and you just wanted to know why, why did you, and then they finally told you, did you feel any better? When you're trying to find out, well, well, why did this happen? Why did I get this cancer? Whatever it is. Or have you ever had like a boo-boo on your leg? And, and, and I don't know, it was a, a spot on your left thigh. So you Googled spot on left thigh, one inch above knee. Brain cancer. Did you feel any better? Because now you know spot on left leg, one inch above the knee, brain cancer. We've been convinced that knowing somehow is the optimal level of existing. This shouldn't surprise us because this is exactly what happened with our first mom and dad. On the big Bible on the screen, Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made, he says to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you'll die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. The Garden of Eden was a perfect place. There was no chaos. That image that you saw in the news this week that just got your heart rate up, the, 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 the condition of the country and how you think it's going, that you are very upset about, whatever the thing is, none of that was happening. There was no cancer in the garden. There were perfect boundaries there was one thing that our first mom and dad did not know was why that tree. And what did 
the adversary dangle in front of them? That tree. Oh, if you would just know. If you would just know. And he understood clearly that humans cannot tolerate uncertainty. You want to know. You, you want to know. That's what's happening in all the ads that you're seeing on the television. They're telling you, if you vote for me, you'll know that the country will be like this. If you let that person, oh my goodness, it's going to be the end of the world. Uncertainty. That same temptation that somehow knowing would make your life better because we cannot tolerate. I'm for knowledge. I'm for understanding. But I think we've got to understand why at times when we actually then know it, be, it becomes burdensome. Here, go back to the Bible on the big screen. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for the food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig trees, fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. For 32 years, I've taught this believing that they felt shame. I really don't think that's the issue here. I really don't think it's shame. I, I, I thought they, they put the fig trees, you know, the fig leaves on their private parts because they were kind of ashamed, right? Kind of like you walking down the street butt naked. You're like, well, wait a second. You know, you're like, right? right. You think the human emotion is shame. But I'm beginning to change how I think. Look at verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree. <laughs> wow. <laughs> then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done today? The woman said, the serpent de deceived me and I ate. I think the real issue that's going on here is, is fear, is knowing. Hey, they now had what they thought they wanted to have. And how many of us thought, if I could just have that, if I could just understand this, or I could have that. There's so much here, I'm already thinking this is going to be an entire series in the month of January in 2023, this, this control thing. But enough for today is learning to surrender what we can't control. At some point as a Christ follower, God is God and I am not. I can't completely define that for you in your life. That's what it means to follow Christ. We follow him. He will guide you. He will direct you. So know him personally. Engage with him. Have experiences with him. We just talked about surrender. Here's the last thing if you want to write it down. It's this. This is what Daniel did. This is what I'm suggesting you to do. This is what I want to do. This is hard. 
but I want to be at calm. And the chaos continues to increase around me is we've got to obey him even when you don't understand. This is hard. I, I, I wanted to control when things weren't going exactly how I had thought and hoped. I, I, wanted to, I, I wanted to control it. I wanted to fix it. I wanted to say that I'm sorry. I don't know. What, what, what did I do? I don't, t- 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 I'm trying to control it. And then it became evident that being at that church was not going to be a part of my future. And conversations about starting a new church in Ocala. And I said, no. Oh, no, 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 no. That's called a church split. And I want nothing to do with the church split. I wasn't in a place that I was going to obey him. I wanted to understand it. God, you're telling me you bring me to this great city called Ocala. We're going to split a church. And somehow that's your plan for my life? Really, God? And then the principle that he taught me. Mark, you don't have to understand me completely, completely to obey me immediately. And that was hard. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a Marine. I've been taught due diligence. I've been taught to understand the enemy and the, the battlefield and have a strategic plan. All through my education, my bachelor's, my master's, my doctorate, it's all about a plan. I'm an athlete, right? It's, it's having a workout plan. And on Monday, you train this. And on Tuesday, you train this. And Wednesday, and then my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my kids, everything's on this plan that I fully understand and I'm full control of. Now God's telling me, obey me completely, even when you don't understand everything. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This is probably a familiar verse for many of you. It is a great piece of scripture to apply in the times in which we live. That that word trust is really better translated in the English from the Hebrew to the word cling. It means to cling on the Lord with all your heart and all, all your ways. Everything about you, emotionally, mentally, physically. I, I know what's, what you're seeing in the culture is unjust. I, I know what people are saying is, is a lie and it's not truth. I know all these things. It's chaos. It's chaos. I agree. But as Christ's follower, you've got to make a decision. Do I lean on my own understandings, how I think, how I feel about this, or will I cling to God? The question to ask, do I want calm or do I want anxiety? We have highly overestimated our ability as human beings to be objective with ourselves. Human beings, we are wonderful self-deceivers. We make all kinds of excuses where God's saying, listen, cling to me, trust me, even when you don't understand it. The promise is on the backside. Then I will make your path straight. And let me just say to all the parents, hear me for just one second, parents. Parenting 101. One of the gifts that you can give to your children, the first gift is you just chase after Jesus every single day. Let them catch you being a Jesus freak. That's the number one gift. The second gift is this. And this is hard, but I am telling you the ROI about what I'm about to teach you 
is 10x. Teach your children first-time obedience. This whole game you play, counting, I'm going to count to three. You're messing them up. God doesn't count to three. God doesn't say, okay, now, I want you to obey me. I'm going to count to three. One, two, right? That whole craziness at bedtime, right? Okay, it's time to go to bed. They just ignore you, right? You've trained them. I said it's time to go to bed. Okay, that's... I can't believe these kids. What's wrong with you? I've been telling you for the last 20 minutes. Get your... Teach them first-time obedience. You will set them up to win. Anybody who's an employer, could you imagine having employees? I'm not talking about things that are weird and, and, and I'm just talking about everyday work stuff. It, if employees show up and the first time they do what they were hired to do, they just did it then, oh my goodness. HR directors will be out of business. <laughs> no more, <laughs> you know, meetings and all this kind of stuff. You'll set them up. You'll set them up for promotions. Make sure, though, moms and dads, when you're doing the, the communicating, you take the time. Can I role play for you just real quick? Just stay with me. I, I got a minute. So this is, this is Emily. This is when Emily was like six. She's 31 now. This is not my relationship with her now. But at six, let's say bedtime is at, is at 9 o'clock. Hey, Emily, bedtime is at 9 o'clock tonight. Now, you understand, babe, that that means... Your teeth are brushed, right? You've had your last little drink of water, um, all that. Mom and dad have prayed over you. You are under the covers going to sleep at 9 o'clock. Do you understand? Yeah. Well, what, tell me what you understand, honey. I'm going to sleep at 9 o'clock. When are we going to brush our teeth? Before 9 o'clock. Okay, how about the prayer time? Oh, that's before 9 o'clock. Okay, how about that last little drink of water? Before 9 o'clock. Okay, 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 okay. All right, all right. Now, if you decide that you want to wait to 9.05 or 9.10, is that the best decision that you can make? No. Why? Because it's not 9 o'clock. It's such a baby. So at 9 o'clock, you're going to be in bed and right. Now, hey, moms and dads, I know you're tired. Oh, my goodness. You're like, I ain't got time for all that. <laughs> hey, hey, hear me. The research will be in the book. You spend the first seven years of their life teaching them like this, Adolescence will be a whole different experience. Your children are designed to say no to you. Children, me, we, us, we're designed to disobey. But let me tell you, disobedience at 6 and at 13 are at two totally different levels. Choose when you want to pay. 6 is a whole lot better. But you see, you, you, you slow it down, you teach them, you're setting them up. Because ultimately what my girls would hear me all the time say, you understand you're not just disobeying your dad. God gave me to you. Now, you might not be happy with that right now, but God gave me to you. When you disobey me, you're disobeying God. See, ultimately as a dad, my whole, my whole existence was to take Emily, who for just a short period of time, I can't control her, right? She's going to grow older. I wanted to connect her to her Heavenly Father. If she'll keep her eyes on Jesus, then when some bonehead boy who doesn't need to be in her life comes, she'll make the right decision. All those steps, moms and dads, first time obedience. You don't 
we don't have to understand completely to obey God immediately. I'm talking 10x. I want us to have a better life. I'm going to pray for us. I hope this series, starting this out, I, I, I want it calm. Culture is chaotic. Culture is chaotic. My hunches the next two weeks are going to get cray cray, cray cray, cray cray. My hunches after an election, it's going to get cray cray, cray cray, cray cray. The culture continues to drift away from God. It doesn't mean that we have to drift away from God. God has called you as a Christ follower to set the temperature in our culture, not to reflect it. We are called to set the temperature. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. We are thermostats, not thermometers. Thermometers just reveal the temperature in the room. A thermostat, because the power and the presence, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that's in you, we are thermostats. We step out in the culture and we set a better way. We set a brighter way. This is how we stay at calm in a culture of chaos. God, I love you. Thank you for your word. A 3,000-year-old book, Daniel, is as relevant today. God, I pray for all of us as Christ followers. Help us. If you're a Christ follower, in your mind, would you just, just picture yourself? Okay, what, it's you and God. How well do you really know him? Think about your hands being open. What, what do you need to surrender to him right now? Just share that with him in your, in your mind's eye. Open hands. Where have you had a hard time understanding why God let what God did? And would you just trust him right now? Would you obey him even though you don't have it all figured out? Holy Spirit, all these prayers... Christ followers, help us. Help us to consistently trust you in the chaos of culture. If you're here right now and you don't even know God, you're like, yeah, I don't even have a relationship, you could start right now. Would you pray, God, forgive me of my sins. Today, I trust you, Jesus, as my Savior. I invite you to come into my life. God, these prayers, honor them. Protect them. Guide us and direct us this week in a culture that is chaos, that we would be at calm. Favor these men and women. How I love them and I know you love them. 10x. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Peace.